Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast. I'm Matt. I am your friendly neighborhood host. Uh, we've been talking about video games before in the pre-show, and Joe mentioned uh, the Spider-Man video game, and that got me thinking about Spider-Man, so sorry. But I am your friendly neighborhood host. Uh, coming off, also, very so much a very Spider-Man fan, uh, Joe Perez. Uh, I, which catchphrase would you use? Would you uh, use friendly neighborhood? I mean, we can always go friendly neighborhood, but I mean, I don't know. Like, that's just such a classic thing. See, here's what I, w- I was always calling you Joe Perez, the spectacular Spider-Man. I'm always okay with that. I'm good with sp- yeah. the spectacular. Now, unfortunately, I don't know how much of a fan Liz is of Spider-Man. Liz Harper. Yeah, I to say. Howdy. How much do you like Spider-Man? I have no objection to Spider-Man, but I... I've never been a Spider-Man reader. I was yeah, you, always, you I was X-Men, always an X-Man. You? Yeah, I was so an X-Man. You get kid. to be the uncanny Liz Harper. Okay, okay, that works. Uh, or unless you want to be like, I don't know, we could come up with a name for you, like Shadow Liz or something. <laughs> Poor Kitty Pride got bagged on names, and now she's Star Lord. Anyway, they turned, they changed that again, didn't they? I do not or remember. Star Lord again? I think she's Star Lord again. Okay, that's cool. I'm fine with her being Star Lord. Uh, but anyway. We should probably stop rambling on about nonsense. Although, quite frankly, why are you here? That is you the don't podcast. Want us to re- yeah. Mm-hmm. But we do mm-hmm. have some some actual things to talk about of the Blizzard video game variety. Uh, I actually want to mention this one first, even though it's one that Liz pointed out later. Um, you can fly in Zareth Mortis today if you got the achievement. It's available right now. You have to finish the achievement, do the week's story quest, and bang, you can fly in Zareth Mortis, which I recommend. It's I big. have to find okay. some scrolls or some stuff still. Yeah. I mean, the I'll be upfront. Probably... I'm not going to get it for a while because I've been meandering in WoW lately. Scrolls are probably the hardest part, but they aren't They aren't hard, hard, if that makes sense. It's like there are seven of them and you just kind of have to wander around and find them. Well, yeah, that's happening today. Um, also, I think to, not today, but in two days, we're going to get the Hearthstone uh, expansion announcement. Am I correct on that this? Is correct. It's been yes, you are. Days. Yeah. Okay. And that's that's a little interesting, a little weird because they did that thing where they had an announcement that they were going to have an announcement, which I really hate. That I just don't. I don't enjoy having an announcement that you're going to have an announcement later. But they had an announcement that they were going to have an announcement this Tuesday that was going to reveal the next expansion, and then they pushed it off by two days, which. Bleh. I don't know. Seems seems that a little is, weird. Like it, it's been something I've noticed that that's been happening the past few years in video games. Yeah, they've gotten really pre-announcement happy. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not entirely sure why it started, other than it's part of the hype cycle. Yeah, I mean, yeah. On one hand, it's good that your target audience knows that okay, you're gonna do something today. It's like announcing a press conference or something like that. But I just. I find it really tedious. I just want to know the information. I don't want you to hype up your announcement that's a week later. And then they, they pushed it back two days. Which is just, if you need to, to delay a game for some reason or something like that, you probably need to delay it by more than two days. It's just a weird amount of time. And uh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, There's a lot of the community that is weirdly upset about this. And it's like, it's two days, y'all. Two days. You're going to be fine. Everything's fine. Well, I, uh, I, I, there's actually something I want to talk about a little bit later that's non-Blizzard related, but let's let's stick with Blizzard for right now. Uh, in addition to that, um, the other thing that happened fairly recently and that they announced it, I think this morning around like 2 a.m., uh, the Great Vault got its rewards changed today in a hotfix. They, they altered the way it 
Well, back in February, when they when when patch nine point two was was about to come out, they announced they were changing the Great Vault so that if you did eight Mythic dungeons a week instead of ten, that would get you the third tier of rewards. You, you'd get three. It's you know that's how that works. Right now, it, it, before it took ten. Mm-hmm. to get three rewards from your Mythic Plus dungeon runs. Now it just requires eight. Well, the and they also... I was going to say, I think that has to do with the way the new raid's set up, though. Yeah, exactly. They also changed raiding. Uh, the, the, the raid rewards, you get the first tier at two bosses cleared instead of three. You get the second tier at five bosses instead of six. And you get the third tier at 102. No, no, I'm kidding. It, it's eight. <laughs> uh, eight rewards instead of nine. Which, I mean, that's a positive change. I, I think... I speak for anybody where I think that's good that he did that. If for no other reason than it means that you don't necessarily have to have at least nine bosses in a yeah. raid. Uh, I mean, they have more than nine in this one, but it it, it felt like to me like, you know, you, you, it's okay to design smaller raids too, guys. Um, so I, I think that's a, de- a decent change, and I hope they hold forth on that one in the future. And then the changes that they came out with today basically increases the amount of your consolation prizes, like for lack of a better word, the uh, the things you get if you don't want to take any of the uh, drops because the drops are the items you're already wearing because that happens constantly. Um, yeah, as you as you gear up, it happens more and more that your rewards are going to be things you already have or things that are worse than you already have. So yeah, they dish not itemized for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah just that happens a lot. For you. And that's I, that's just really disappointing. It's like you go to the you go to the vault for the week, and it's like, oh, I have three things, and I don't want to equip any of them. And the consolation yeah. prize was pretty. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was something. It wasn't exciting. Yeah, it was. the The problem that they had was that not only wasn't it particularly exciting to get, it was also pretty limited. Like, yeah. um, I have to actually go look at the article I wrote about this because I've already <laughs> forgotten how much it was. Uh, but the the attendance token of merit, which you get, is now you could only require, carry three of them at a time. So if you had a couple in your bags and you got nothing and you decided to take the attendance token of merit instead, you know, you better go spend those things instead of having them in your bags because now you'd run out of space really fast. Now you get 12 of them um, and you get more tokens. You get two tokens for one Great Vault segment, uh, four for two and uh, six for three and they they have actual things to buy um from kotal and oribos and they have some of the things are pretty cool like the ephemeral the ephemera infused ma- mesh which can basically put a socket on anything from season three this is season three uh including the raid and stuff so it's anything for a helmet a necklace a bracer belt or ring that doesn't already have a socket you can put a socket on there for six attendant tokens um, which is pretty cool. I mean, if you if you want to sock it up your stuff, that's that's not bad. Um, I don't really like the overflowing cl- chest of riches because getting 3,000 gold for the, for three attendant tokens doesn't feel like so. I mean, I can get <laughs> you know three thousand gold if I just do like like four world quests. I, I don't okay. Uh, that doesn't really impress me. But the certified vouch safe where you can basically increase your renown. And it's bound to account, so you can give it to an alt, and it's one attendance token for one level of renown. That I like. That's pretty cool. Um, and then they have stuff for Genesis Motes, uh, stuff for Ciphers of the First Ones. You know, th- those are those are good. There's a reputation w- with the Enlightened One. Those are all pretty solid. These are solid enough rewards. But I mean, I'm going to ask you guys: 
any of that really going to make you feel any better when you open your great vault and you get three capes that you're already wearing? <laughs> uh, probably because I seem to only be getting gear out of the vault instead of the raid. Although I don't know how, how true that's going to be for any, any longer. Um, yeah. I've actually had some pretty good luck in the last couple of weeks out of the vault. I'm not going to lie. Like it's, it's been pretty good to me. I just don't think, I mean, my ultimate thing about this is that one of the things it should have is the ability to say, Hey, uh, I already have this item. Don't give it to me. Or even just say this boss, just don't give me anything from this boss. I'm not saying you should be able to pick what gear you want, but I feel like you should be able to at least, x out gear like at least some gear the, so you don't keep seeing the same cape or same shoulders or whatever i had one week where i finally managed to kill like the entire raid with with my guild because we were it was just before i stopped playing for a little while because my eyes were really bothering me and he like i literally got everything i already had yeah that's happened before and, and it was like the only time i got the full great vault and it, it doesn't it, even if they gave me all these cool things that that are coming that are that are now there I still wouldn't have been happy about that. You know what I mean? Especially not for 3000 gold. I mean, I'm sorry. The 3000 gold thing is ridiculous. What are you doing guys? <laughs> the 3000 gold thing is ridiculous, but the, uh, the, uh, thing you can have that token to cash in to get like the alt currency is actually not a terrible thing, especially no, if you're that's, building. That's really good. I straight up will say that I will yeah. admit right now. That's good. I also think the certified vouch safe is, is the, the winner of this whole thing, but the bottle of night sky, the treatise of patterns and the purpose, and the tribute to the enlightened, these are all good. Mm -hmm. I think things that can give you a leg up on something you have to do anyway. Yeah. They're good. I like them. I think that's a good thing. I just think they could have tweaked this a little more. And, and they might have. And I mean, and I mean we're we're sort of in the end game now, but I mean they might, who knows, if people complain enough or say enough, we might get one final tweak to it before the end of the end of the expansion. So I just at this point I'm more I'm more hoping that whatever they do in the next expansion will take this stuff into account more than I'm worried about them doing it now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, like I'm not. The thing. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. The thing I always see Blizzard doing is they'll make systems, and usually they're flawed systems. And I'm not saying that as trying to criticize Blizzard. It's hard to make good systems, and every system has a flaw. Every system has something someone's not going to like. Every system is or something not that somebody be can perfect. exploit. Yeah. 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 So they release something and it's flawed and it gets some negative feedback, maybe a lot of negative feedback, maybe a little negative feedback. And a lot of the times it feels like they push hard in the other direction, the next expansion. And it's like, well, maybe you didn't need to push really hard in the opposite direction because the opposite direction just has different problems. Maybe you just need to, you know, make some adjustments to this. And, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like it would be better if they made smaller adjustments instead of these big backtracks that go completely the opposite direction design-wise. What, what is it we used to call it back when we were writing about um, the Burning Crusade? We used to call it the, the Blizzard Pendulum of Design. <laughs> <laughs> because they would go, like, they would swing way over and then yeah. they would like overcorrect in the other direction. Exactly. This they isn't new. I mean, this is this mm -hmm. was in regular vanilla World of Warcraft. So it's it's been there throughout WoW's history. But yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I they don't always do it, but they do it enough yeah. that it's noticeable. And, yes. Uh, and at least they're trying something. Like that's the other thing too. Like, I'm not trying to like just blast in here with me. I don't know if it's a hot take or not, but like 
if they don't try something new, they get blasted for not trying something new. And then when they try something new, they get blasted for trying something new. So I oh, would, yeah. ra- and that's I would totally rather, I would rather that they, I would rather that they try something new and it not work than have something that's completely stale. And not everything's a hit. Not everything's a hit. Some things are misses. I'm looking at you, but corruption. It, um, yeah, at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, though, like some stuff hangs out way longer than you yes. expected it to. Like I'm like sorry, the mission table. Yeah, yeah. There, there. We were going. We were both thinking the same thing. So I'm hoping that they don't abandon the Great Vault too fast. Um, I'm hoping they give it more of it. They give it another shot. The next expansion, they just iterate on it a bit, and we'll see. Maybe if it doesn't work after that then we can talk about a brand new system. But I was just getting used to coin rolls. Like I felt like they'd finally gotten coin rolling to a place where I could, I could take it. Like it, it wasn't my favorite system, but it did what it was supposed to do. It was bad luck protection. Sometimes it didn't really protect my bad luck much, but yeah, I, I knew where it was going. And the great vault tried to combine something else with bad luck protection. And I don't know if it ever really going to make it, but These changes are better. This is better than it was. And I I, thinking that you can do something else to make something even better than it is doesn't change the fact that they did make positive change. And And I'm going to say that. Yeah. And I mean, I'll go as far as to say, like, out of all the things they've done, I actually overall really like the idea of the Great Vault the most. I think it has the most potential to do a lot of the fixing that we keep asking for. It's just a matter of getting it right. It's a matter of fine tuning it. It's one of those things where this is a system I actually do hope sticks around because I get what you're saying about like coins, but I think this has the potential to be infinitely better than coins if we can get it to the right point. And I want it to stick around. It has the option of it feels like you have more agency and how well it works. Yeah. I would agree. Because it connects with what you do. But at this point, I do want to move on um, because there's something else I wanted to basically talk. I wanted to learn about more than I want to talk about it because I don't (laughs) actually know much about it, but I'm interested. Overwatch 2 is going into beta next month. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's the PvP stuff that's going into beta because they've split Overwatch 2 into two games, kind of. Or two genres. Two genres of game, you might say. Um, where it's going to start with the PVP mode. That's going to be the first thing they work on and the f- probably the first thing they release. And then there's going to be a PVE mode that gets worked on separately or maybe not worked on separately, but released separately and tested separately. Um, I don't know how that's going to work. I've, the very few games have, have been that separated. It almost feels like we're getting Overwatch 2 and then a spinoff. Like when, when, when uh, Borderlands did the tiny tina thing and now we've got a whole tiny tina game um it feels kind of like that um, maybe a little when, bit when uh far cry did blood dragon and you're like blood what is the, you know it's not quite the same because it's a different mode of play as well but it is interesting to me what do you two think about this what are your thoughts on it what do you how do you think this is going to roll out um gonna Liz go with first, Liz first. yep <laughs> um i mean it feels like what we're getting first is overwatch one point Five. I mean, because this is really an evolution of the original Overwatch game. It's not... Overwatch 2 was always a little weird because it sounded a lot like Overwatch 1. <laughs> and Overwatch 1 players were still going to have access to a lot of the PvP stuff, even if they didn't buy Overwatch 2. So it always sounded like the PvP stuff was just an evolution of Overwatch 1, and the PvE stuff was kind of really the meaty part of Overwatch 2. And so, yeah, now they've split them. I think what they said in their blog post was that they were decoupling PvP and PvE. 
Uh, and it's a it's an interesting decision. We knew that Overwatch League's next season, which starts, I believe, also in April, was going to run on an early build of Overwatch 2 because they were totally, they're changing team sizes, which is going to change the whole dynamic. It used to be six versus six. Now it's 5v5. So that really is going to change how competitive teams work, how many players they have on them. So they were going to go ahead and roll that out. We knew that. And now they're just saying, okay, we're just going to roll out the PvP stuff that we already have ready, that we're already running on Overwatch League. We're going to let everybody test that. And that that does make sense. If that's ready, why not roll it out into broader tests? But uh, it is weird that they're pushing the PvE release back. And I wonder if that means the PvP part will release sooner, like maybe even this year, if they're they're running it in competitive play. It has to be at least somewhat polished, right? Well, you, you will find out. Um, yeah, I'm, we will. I'm certainly, <laughs> I'm certainly willing to believe it is not as polished as we might hope, because corporations will often pressure developers to do things for financial reasons that yeah. might not be in the best but, interest of the game. But jo- Joe is going to talk. I was going to say, part of this is also players kind of pressuring them to kind of do things that might not be in the best interest of the game, like putting out a beta now. Um <laughs> Overwatch 2 has kind of gone through like a weird development cycle with everything else that's been going on, uh, especially as we've been finding out more and more and more about all of the internal troubles uh, over there. Like, it seems like I understand players really want Overwatch 2. I get it. But also, seriously, pushing for it to come out, like, I I just I think it's going to be weird. I'm hopeful that it'll still be good. But I don't think they had another choice but to, like, split the games, uh, especially with players really pushing for we want a beta. Let's be honest, most vocal of them want a beta PvP anyway. Most of those players that have been very vocal about it don't really care about the story side of it or the single player campaign side of it or anything like that, or even co-op campaign side of it. Um, so I don't know. And I'm also very, very curious. <sighs> I'm wondering if we're going to get if story mode's going to drop off again. I wonder if it's the thing that's going to not make the development cut because now that now that the PVP stuff is getting released to that beta now, how hard of a push is it going to get to get that side of it done and shipped because that's what players are going to want now. That's what the people who are going to spend the money want. And don't forget, like we still have almost a full year before Microsoft takes over. So this is still Activision, uh, Activision Blizzard making the calls on it. So what do they do in that meantime? I don't know. Like it's, I don't know what's going to happen, but I definitely am afraid for Overwatch's future as a result of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it yeah. makes sense. I think there's one big misstep blizzard here. And that was when they really started working hard on Overwatch 2, they stopped doing things in Overwatch. Overwatch 1 has been basically in maintenance mode without with very limited development, very mm-hmm. limited updates. It's just the same old events. And there's been no work on that, and they haven't been very communicative about Overwatch 2. Like, I've really admired the way the Diablo team, in particular Diablo 4, puts out really regular quarterly updates. And they aren't, it's not like we're getting tons of information all the time. Sometimes it's just all about art design or sound or, you know, big design concepts. Sometimes they don't really have any hard, concrete gameplay information. And then sometimes we get really cool info about the Paragon system that warns us this is really early development, this isn't finalized, and it's really cool to see those things and to see that they are 
actively working on things that are cool and exciting. Overwatch hasn't had that. They have been really quiet. And to a certain degree, you can't blame this entirely on the troubled development because, I mean, I'm just going to say it. Diablo 4 lost its principal designer and its main story designer. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Both both gone. Gone in a day. And if anything, they've kept on with the exact same setup. They've, They've been... Just as uh, just as they were, if if anything, slightly more, um, yeah, communicative. Whereas Overwatch Two went dark. Like if you but didn't I, know mm. they were doing it, you wouldn't know they were doing it. But how much of that is a result of uh, the faux pas of of what happened with the Diablo Immortal announcement and them being super sensitive to communication? We, we have no on idea. That team, right? There's no way to know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I think. I think the bad reaction to Immortal was maybe part of it because the Diablo team has gotten really good about making regular updates. Diablo 3 gets really regular content updates. They have a really regular cadence there. They have a really regular system of notifying people of changes and testing changes. But but that actually makes me think about something, Liz. Um, Hmm. And we're going to talk about the Diablo... 3 PTR after this, so I'm, I'm going to roll that into, because what you said just made me think of this. Um, <clears throat> Diablo 3 has not gone into maintenance mode. Yep. No. Diablo 3 is still getting seasonal updates with, with whole new systems. The the most the one on the PTR, and we're going to move into that, uh, the one on the PTR is, for the first time ever in a season, a completely new game mode um, that they're testing on the PTR right now. And that's the opposite of what we've seen in Overwatch. So it's it's interesting to think of, to see how these two different sections of the same company have taken two different approaches and how it may have affected their development cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think players are more willing to wait for Diablo 4 because they got Diablo 2 resurrected yeah. and they got Diablo 3 still producing content. There's If you're not liking what you're getting now, there's an alternative. And there mm-hmm. is new stuff now Mm -hmm. whereas with overwatch if you love overwatch but you don't want to play the same stuff over and over again there is nothing does that make sense no it makes perfect sense so i think i think that that's the thing liz said that made me think that and it's also with diablo even if you don't like the game today even if you don't like any of the games today you know there's a future because they're constantly telling you about it they're giving you regular updates they're up to and Overwatch has turned into a black box. So it's, you know, it's not all on the developers. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's all on the players for pushing them either. Because we've had basically a big miscommunication here. Because the developers haven't been talking. And maybe there's some, maybe there's awful stuff going on in the background. Maybe development's been really troubled. Maybe it's just been really difficult because of the situation at Blizzard. I'm sure all of those things are true. But they haven't been talking. And that creates this vacuum in which fans get unhappy and it just makes a community, it makes a mess in the community. And yeah, I think Joe's Joe's perfectly right to, to say, you know, the whole thing about it makes him afraid for the future of PVE in Overwatch. But I do think it could have a positive impact here because this is a communication. This is them telling you we're doing this. Mm -hmm. This is the first thing they've told us they're doing in quite a while since before and, jeff yeah yeah so and having a ptr for it maybe it's a little soon but it as liz has pointed out they are about to trot this program out um in the overwatch league they must have yeah. at least some confidence in it. i mean one one would hope anyway um, yeah. 
So yeah, definitely I hope so. But I think we're going to move on to talking about that Diablo three PTR because patch uh, two point seven, I think um, two point seven point three. Yeah, that's that's out right now. I believe it started mm-hmm. last yeah. week. Um, I have not gotten a chance to play on it because. I was reinstalling Diablo 3 and I messed up big time and deleted it and now I have to reinstall <laughs> the whole game and yeah it's it's not been fun. Um part of the problem I have is that some of the games I'm playing are huge. Uh Baldur's Gate 3 is really big. Oh, it's freaking massive. It takes up a lot of space. I've had to rejigger some things. Uh we're not talking about that but but we maybe we will at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but Diablo, so I haven't gotten to play it, but I've looked at the PTR notes. I've talked to other people who have played on it. I, I love this thing. I love that they've introduced a new game mode, even if it is basically just rifts, but even more, um, the, the fact that they've basically taken their, their seasonal play and, and just thrown a game mode at people. And we have no idea if this game mode will ever exist. These, these, uh, uh Imperial nightmares, I think they're called, um, Something nightmares. I, yeah, yeah. But they're they're basically what echoing happens nightmares. Is, echoing nightmares. Thank you. Um, what happens in them to, to so people know what we're talking about? You basically go into a into a greater rift, and and when you complete it, you get this this coalesce nightmare drop that you need to open the uh, echoing nightmare. You you take that drop. You go to the Kanai's uh, cube. You transmute it in the cube. It opens a portal to this new realm. You and up to, I believe, four people can go into that thing. And when you do, it's like a greater rift, except the difficulty just keeps ramping up. You don't set it to a difficulty. It starts off like pretty hard and then just gets harder and harder. And monsters just keep coming. There is no point where you're done. They just keep coming until you die. Go ahead, Joe. Oh, no, no. I, I had nothing. Just, no, that was just me breath. taking a breath. Okay. <laughs> We don't need to hear that, man. Breathe in your own time. Sorry. <laughs> no, I just, second I hear someone making noise, I'm like, shut up, Matt. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's just, I find this really fascinating. It's not like they're not reinventing the game. It's still Diablo three. It's just neat to this idea of a gauntlet mode where things just keep coming until eventually you die. And the whole gameplay is how long can you go? Can you and your friends just keep doing this? Um, I like this idea. I think it's neat. I think it's neat that they're putting in a whole new mode. This game came out in 2012. It's 10 years old. This is the 26th season. And the seasons didn't even start right away. They were like, what? Like, I don't know how many years ago. It was way into the game. Way into the life of the game, yeah. I think it was like six years or so in. And it's just, it's crazy that they're still doing this. So I think it speaks to the longevity of just Diablo in general. Yeah, Diablo has found a gameplay loop people like, and it and it has not has not felt like the need to mess with it too much. Which is fine. Um, That's good. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally okay. <laughs> I'm down with it. Whenever I want to just go smash some monsters, Diablo is the game I play. Yep. And I there are plenty of times where I don't want to be thinking too hard. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm totally on board with this. Uh, but I do want to hear what you guys have to say before we move on to other stuff. I don't have anything else to add. I think you've covered pretty much everything that I would really have had said about it. So. Liz? Yeah, I'm also curious as to whether this will ever go into non-seasonal play because when they've he- added when they've added big new mechanics in the past, the one I think about is the big companion revamp, and yeah. that did go into non-seasonal play. So I wonder if this will come into non-seasonal later. But they also introduced ethereal weapons, 
Yeah, and that was yeah, a pretty true. big that was a pretty big game changer. And that they just let go. Yeah, like it's mm. not there anymore. That to me is amazing, and I don't know which way this is going to swing. I kind of want them to bring it around to to have it be something that comes back. Maybe not always there, but something that reoccurs, kind of like mm-hmm. the the darkening of Tristram, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 kind of a regular event. Yeah, I think that would be kind of cool. But um, okay, we talked about the Hearthstone expansion. I think we talked. About, we didn't mention the the world first. Uh, race, which I think we should. We should also mention that the uh, wing two of the Sepulchre of the first ones is next Tuesday, as we're recording this. It's the 22nd of, of March. Wing two of LFR. Yeah, of LFR. Um, they're, they're doing Mythic World First Race right now. I have kept up with this not at all. I have just not. <laughs> this this time around, I just don't care. So I know Liz has been keeping up with it, which is great, because it means that I can shut up for a minute and drink some water. Go ahead, Liz. <laughs> This has been a really wild race, and uh, mainly because it wasn't a race for the first couple of days, because the first day, day and a half, no one went into Mythic. No one. It's You had all of these guilds racing for World First and Mythic and not going into Mythic. It was ridiculous. That was and the Horror Splits one? Yeah. They were doing heroic splits all day and they were doing normal splits all day because they wanted those tier sets. They wanted everyone in tier sets. And um, after like a day and a half, Liquid had like 24 people in a four-piece tier from running like dozens and dozens and dozens of splits where they would just have a few people in this in this raid that were el- that uh, they wanted to gear up and then a bunch of people who could trade loot. And it's just wild how much they just maximized their ability to gear up their core raid and uh, even chose people who are going to come to raid based on who had gotten a tier uh, four piece tier bonus because they are so powerful. So I think tier sets are cool. I think they're going to be really fun. But the way they scale the power level, they have add so much power has created this wild world first race where they spent, you know, more than a day only doing splits and not even walking into the raid. The uh the the world first on the I'm forgetting the first boss's name. On the robot guy. I guess that doesn't that doesn't narrow it down really, does it? First no, boss. It, robot guys. Yeah, there's a lot it's basically all robot guys and robot girls and robot crabs and so it's kind of a, a robot extravaganza at least for the robot crab you know you can hit a specific point for massive damage <laughs> there's a joke for old people <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it's been a really interesting race and right now it's actually really pretty close a lot of people have gotten stuck on Londres. i may be saying that wrong that is the giant crab that we have mentioned because the tuning on Holandris is so tight and it just has like every mechanic you have to get perfectly right or the raid wipes. Or at least uh, to- as we've determined in our raids, getting to making sure everybody's <laughs> alive to get to phase three. Yeah. And just in Mythic, it's like each of those mechanics, like in we're running normals right now and you can survive messing up. You can survive messing up. Uh, but in Mythic, you one person messes up and the entire raid wipes and that's been really tough liquid finally got the boss down in 357 pulls which is just 
that's wild that we've already gone that far on, you know, just like a mid-raid boss. It's like the last Wasn't quarter he of the raid. Seven? I think, yeah, he's number he's, seven. He's number seven. He's the one right, traditionally, he's the one done right before Anduin. Uh, okay, so, I, yeah. and No, I think there's three guilds on Anduin, or are they up to four? There, last I checked, there were three guilds on Anduin. Uh, that would be Liquid, Echo, and Pieces, which are, uh, yeah, I mean, they're all big names up there. Um, I like to root for BDGG because they're just, they just, they just seem like the scrappy underdog, even though they're usually kind of in the top five, number four. Uh, they, they just always, they seem like an up and comer and they're, uh, a North American guild. And I kind of like to root for the North American guilds because the European guilds have dominated world first for so long. So it's nice to see like a, I don't know if I can call them a scrappy little guild, but they do feel like the snarky underdogs in the fight. But we're on Anduin now for those. The, uh, the yes. There? Yes. There are three guilds on Anduin. Uh, and I haven't checked today. Of course, the raid reset was today for North America. And I think Liquid was mostly doing splits again, but um, yeah, because they, they want to last... change up their composition, I, I think. And you want to get everyone in that full tier set. Anyone who doesn't have mm-hmm. a tier set, or anyone who's re- wearing a normal level piece, or uh, even an LFR level piece, you want to get them into a heroic piece. Uh, so just you keep up in that eye level, so you can get through Mythic. Uh, but last night, uh, that would have been Monday night, they had done eighty pulls on Anduin. So, uh, yeah, this is going to take a while. And it's, I, I think it's really fun when uh, a world first race doesn't end in like three days. It's, it's fun to watch these people like compete at the top of their game. And I think it's really fun to watch. It's going to be great players. when they stumble across the mythic only gigantic hatchet faced pterosaur. <laughs> That's going to be awesome. Uh, I mean, I look forward to it. That'd be I, a lot it, of fun. If I ever do get a job working for Wizard. <laughs> You guys are not ready for the weird ass dinosaur bosses that are just going to be there. They're going to be in the middle of a of a raid that has nothing to do with dinosaurs. It'll be I look like forward to it. the Titan Sepulcher, and there will be a giant, <laughs> a giant thing. Why is that here? Oh, Rothy must have designed that one. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I, don't I'm, threaten me with a good time. <laughs> I, I haven't. The reason I haven't been paying attention to this world first is, race isn't even because I'm not interested. It's because I just seriously just have been completely lost. Um, I'll be up front on that, but you made it a lot more comprehensible for me just now. So I thank you. I, that actually helped. Uh, well, I mean, that's a lot of that's on Corey because Corey has been writing our post about it and I can read those and see what's going on. And then, then there you go. I can transfer the knowledge more. Bull. So go read Corey's post guys. Yeah, Honestly, yeah, you that's should. They're a, really, they're really well hint. done, but okay. At that point, I think we're going to move on. Um, to the the questions period of our show because uh, we're we're about halfway so that's a good thing to do because we get through a f- few questions. Uh, if you've got a question for the show, you can you can go to our Patreon if you would rather, and go to Patreon uh, Q and Podcast Questions channel. Uh, that's that's one that's there for our patrons, and we look at there first because you guys pay the bills, and we like to give you a little something back for that. But we also have a Q and Podcast Questions channel for non-patrons because we still like you. We still want to answer your questions. And this week we got questions from both and an email. So, you know, oof. Trifecta! The email address, if you like email still like me because you're old like me or just old at heart like I was when I was 20, uh, you can send them to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast to Blizzard Watch so we know it's for this show. 
Uh, I have in the past have engaged in some straight up nonsense to decide who answers which question, but I'm going to just read the first question myself and then you guys ah. can decide which one of you oh. wants to do the next one. Um, <clears throat> this is me showing off. I'm having a relatively good eye day. Uh, this one is from Frentis uh, or Frent. I can't Frentis. tell how you would Frent- say this. Frentis, Frentis? Is, Frentis is what they've sent to us before, yes. Okay. Uh, question for the queue, which I stole because I can do that. Uh, why is the LFR raid boss order often different from the real boss order? Uh, real was in quotes there. I, I know they're vastly different power levels, but it's funny to me that I've beaten Halandras, but my but Mythic Raiders can't. Um, so, what do you guys think on that? Before I I come up with an answer. So I mean, I Godless, you first. Go on, Joe. You you go, Joe. I've been talking a bunch. <laughs> uh, it depends on the raid. Uh, so LFR uh, is usually of course vastly different in power level as is normal as is heroic as is mythic um when they group bosses together for lfr they're trying to figure out what are the easiest sets of bosses uh with the mechanics and with four players coming in at a gear level of last tier's lfr that's basically what they look at. Uh, Those are your entry points. And sometimes that's three, sometimes that's four bosses. And if you notice, usually they have similar mechanics or similar styles of of gameplay where a boss has maybe two major mechanics that you have to watch out for versus three or four, and they put the rest that are slightly more complicated further back in the LFR LFR grouping. Um, It's always going to be variable, though, and it's always going to depend very heavily on what's actually happening in that group. The other thing that they've been doing a lot more frequently, and this is something also to keep in mind, is that in most of the raids that we've been getting for the last several years, we have options on what to tackle first or in what order. Some of them are more limited than others, but that changes the perception, especially of LFR groupings as well. Some people think that that means that what is in LFR is the suggested order, it's not necessarily always the case. Uh, so it it there's really no good solid answer as to why they group the way they do other than multiple reasons based off of multiple factors in context of that exact raid. So sorry. Liz, your turn. I mean, I think you I think you really hit it on the head in that they have to pick an order. And a lot of raids these days have, you know in different directions and you wind up at the same spot in the end but you have different ways of getting there and they just they have to pick an order they just you can't in lfr you're releasing it in wings so you have to decide which wing is which you just have to make an uh you got to make a choice and i think they just they make the choice i don't think it's any kind of deep personal i'm going to just chime in with one other thing that i think is worth noting about lfr lfr size is different than mm-hmm. most raid groups, which which organize themselves based on how many people they've got, whereas LFR is a is a stock twenty five players. Although they can run with less, like it'll run with twenty if they only get twenty, as long as they have the this a decent amount of tanks and healers. Um, but that's one thing, and the other thing is is that LFR, generally speaking, although not always, but generally speaking, it's designed around the idea that this is not a group of people who have played with each other before or will play with each other again. So certain mechanics have to be adjusted so because people are not going to be calling this out on Vent or TeamSpeak or Discord. Mm-hmm. This is stuff you're just going to have to pick up while you're doing it. Uh, 
if you have some add-ons, those might help, but but nobody else. It's just not going to have the level of coordination that a, a, a group of people who raid together have. Liz and Joe raid together. They know each other as players now. Yes. If if Joe is struggling on something, Liz would not believe that that's happening because Joe doesn't struggle. But <laughs> if I mean I've I've raided with Joe, I've seen him heal. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't. He never struggles. It's just not a thing that happens. He's he's superhuman with the healing. But thing. You, but yeah. even if but if he were uh, if he were she'd know it. She'd know what he normally plays like. They can and this is the truth with everybody that they play with. It's not that you have like a you're not telepathic. You don't like know instantly what they're going to do, but you're familiar with them. And you're talking usually over Discord or some other voice, you know, voice chat. These things matter. They they are force multipliers for your group's success. Uh LFR doesn't have them for the most part. I mean, sometimes your raid goes to LFR just for, for you know, giggles, but Th- that's something that that affects. It, it's often necessary to just say, "Look, Anduin's a real hard fight. Let's put him over here and let let groups coming in here gear up some over a couple of weeks before they have to face that." Mm-hmm. It's just it's just that simple. Uh, everything else Joe said, I agree with. So uh, also, I think that moves us on. Oh, okay, you you go on. Like, can you can you imagine if there was an LFR where there were multiple paths through the raid and you didn't have to pick? You didn't. You weren't like set to a fixed three or oh, four bosses. I can can imagine you imagine it. the the like yeah. arguments and like half of the raid would go left, half of the raid would go right, and then they screaming at each other. Why aren't you at the boss? Why aren't you at the boss? So yeah, we have to have fixed paths, or else it would be chaos. Yeah, I definitely agree. But okay, next question. Uh, I'm leaving it to you guys to decide which one you reads it. I'll go. That's fine. Uh, this one's going to be from Tetsemi. Uh, how do you unjade a fan base? Star Wars between the prequel Love Slash Hate and the 789 Love Slash Hate seem to have uh, made a lot of fans discouraged, disappointed in the franchise. Then The Mandalorian comes out and seems to have revived the love for it. Is it that straightforward? Is WoW one good expansion away from returning folks to the fold or would it take more? And if so, what do you think that is? So here's my controversial statement. No current expansion is ever going to be loved out of the gate. Every expansion that they've released since Miss of Pandaria, you doesn't really get player base appreciate appreciation until two expansions later. Uh, since Miss of Pandaria, be even, maybe even before Miss of Pandaria, dude. Cataclysm, uh, catac- Well, yeah, okay, fine. I I will I will go with that. But- right, let's be up front here. Um, in my opinion, I agree with you totally. So it's not a hot take to me. I'm, I'm like, yeah, that's a good take. <laughs> But I think it goes back to Wrath of the Lich King. Wrath of the Lich King is the last expansion that got almost universal love. I hate I would Wrath agree. of the Lich King. And, 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 a lot and, of people loved it. And for those of you listening, this doesn't mean that if you loved an expansion right out the gate, that it you know that this holds true because everybody's going to feel a certain way about it. But generally speaking, yeah, we're talking about trends here. We're not talking about yeah. you. Like you know, let's, we're, not, we're not like saying that thing you loved, everybody hated it. And I'm just saying it's like even even with Wrath of Lich King, there were players at the time who had problems with it. I mm-hmm. mean, I worked with with Alex Zebart, so I know this. Legion is the um, same thing. Like the, yep. as much as people loved Legion, there was a lot of people who just didn't until now. Mm-hmm. And the, even people who loved it but were willing to point out this is not good. Like mm-hmm. the artifact power was not universally beloved. Still isn't. Um, <laughs> no, absolutely isn't. No. <laughs> but yeah, I, I gotta agree with you. 
I, and, I just I had to say that I had to go there. No, and, that, and that's right. But the thing is, I don't think it's the player base that's jaded. I think it's just our altered perceptions of what we want the game to be. And the problem is with WoW is that it's such a ubiquitous, such a mainstream MMO and has been for so long that our expectations of it far exceed the technical capabilities that they can put into an expansion. And, and even if you love the game still, even if you're not one of those people that is is completely jaded or, or whatever you want to call it, even you have a, a preconceived notion of what an expansion is going to be based off of what you've experienced, what you've done and what you hear and what they market it as. Nobody's going to have an accurate feel for it until it actually releases, which is why until we get time to reflect on it, a lot of players just don't like it. I'll, I will use Warlords of Draenor as my example that I will I'll hold up into the light on this one. That was pretty vocally panned by a lot of the player base. But now people are starting to take time and look back on it and be like, okay, maybe it wasn't so bad to, yes, here's some good stuff. And it's everything takes time to digest, especially when we're in the moment, especially like I'll use Shadowlands here as well. Shadowlands is a very emotionally hitting expansion for a lot of people and for a lot of reasons, whether it's uh, something with, you know, people who are dealing with Sylvanas as a character for their own personal reasons or otherwise, the, the way that the story is going on in conjunction with the development of it and the stuff that we know that's happening in real life with Blizzard, it, it becomes a very complicated expansion to love or hate. And then we haven't had a full chance to digest the breadth of it yet. We're still not done quite yet. And until that happens, I think that's what, what the problem is, is like, Players seem jaded until they've had time to really reflect on it. And that can sometimes take a while. So I'll stop talking now. You guys can go. Liz? I think Star Wars is an interesting parallel here because the thing is, Star Wars is many different things to many different people. Mm -hmm. There yeah. are people who started watching Star Wars in the prequels and for whom those characters are their Star Wars experience. There are people who started watching Star Wars even more recently with the newest movies. And that is their Star Wars experience. And there are people who watch the originals and it's all Luke and Leia and that's their Star Wars experience. And Star Wars is so large that it can be many things to many people. It can do different types of shows and it can hit sort of different genres and sort of different things that different people want. Like, the Mandalorian was just so much a classic Western, just in space. It was just so much a Western that it like it could not have been more Western if you, unless you put a cowboy hat on top of the Mandalorian helmet. But that's just that's a that slightly sheriff different. Guy? The sheriff on Tatooine, <laughs> come on, he's a sheriff. <laughs> For God's sake, unless he called himself Liberty Valance, there was no way to more sheriff that guy. Yeah, Sorry, but, but it's. I, I'm just had to agree. Yeah, that's a very, very well spoken point. But it's like that is not Mandalorian, even for how popular it is. That is not what the original Star Wars series was. That's a different thing. It's a different genre, and it's really fun. But Star Wars is different things to different people, and people who came into it at different times will have different reactions to it and will like different things about it. That doesn't necessarily mean that there is anything in the Star Wars universe that's good or anything that's bad. And really what's good or bad about it is going to be your opinion because yeah. you came into it with different experiences. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I'm the guy who will always stand uh, the Clone Wars series. Oh, Clone Wars was great. And, but who does it star? 
all the characters from the prequels that everybody kept telling me were terrible. Yeah. But the Clone Wars shows me that they aren't terrible. It's just that you had except an expectation. You had an expectation. Uh, what did you say? I said, except Jar Jar. He doesn't appear that much in the Clone Wars series. That but much, he's but he's actually, still there. He's not terrible when he appears. I still I think he's a secret. I still think he's a secret Sith Lord. Anyway. But, but getting back to it, I think this is important when we're talking about World of Warcraft because, like I said, Liz made the point that for everybody, like there's a different Star Wars. For everybody, there's a different Warcraft, like a World of Warcraft expansion that is your first time playing it. Um, whether it was vanilla or BC or Wrath or Cataclysm, there are people. Cataclysm was the first time they played this game, mm-hmm. and before you like you know say, oh Johnny comes lately. That was more than a decade ago. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was more than 10 years ago. They've got as much right to claim that they've been a long-term WoW player as anybody. And for that matter, Missa Pandaria, years ago now. Warlords of Draenor, years ago now. Legion, 2016, guys. Six years. So, so, I feel very old now. Thank yeah, you, Matt. We're all going to, you know, literally like the guy in Indiana Jones drinking from the wrong cup. Yeah. And just, oof. Yep. But yep. before we do, I, I do think that there is... There is something in the WoW fan base that that is not ideal, and that is going to happen with any game. Uh, and I and I hear people always going, "Well, this game is you know we've got a supportive, loving fan base." I'm like, "Yeah, maybe you do, uh, and maybe WoW's fans are a bit more toxic, or at least there's more toxic people in there than in other games." I can't speak to that. Every game's got a different audience and a different fan base, but I will say that everybody comes to this game. Joe, Joe made a good point about expectations, but there's, there's always been, this is something I remember writing about back in like 2007 when I was writing about BC for the first time. And I was saying that perception trumps reality. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. It comes down to what you think affects what you do more than what's actually there. If you were coming, you, you, when people came to, to Burning Crusade, I remember this really strongly. I remember um, Allison, Robert and I were talking about it back at the time. And she made the point that for a lot of guilds, fighters were, you know, fighters, sorry, oh God, D&D just jumped in. Warriors were considered <laughs> the only viable tank, even going into into BC, when obviously paladins and druids were tearing it up in, in dungeons. And then you got to raids, and suddenly your paladins and your druids couldn't stay up on a boss. Like, And I, I made the point that, meanwhile, guilds didn't want to bring warrior tanks anymore because they saw the paladins and druids tearing it up in dungeons with all their AOE threat. And so they, they geared those guys and then they walked into to raids and they got destroyed by bosses mm-hmm. because they didn't have the mechanics to stay up. Mm-hmm. They weren't designed for it. The perception of these tanks are better ground up into the reality that the tanks were different, not better. They were better at a specific aspect of tanking. That didn't mean they were better at everything, but players made the jump. And we've seen this as recently as uh, Legion with, with uh, Demon Hunter tanks, which has held up to this point. We've seen it in Mythic Plus in Shadowlands. People keep saying, we got to keep using Demon Hunter tanks because they can go faster and they can do this and they do that. You can still get uh, like a plus 15 or better key with any tank. Yep. It doesn't have to be a demon hunter, but the perception is that they're better. And do they have strengths? Yes. But I see a lot of this. The perception is trumping reality and, and it's it's really hurtful on the discourse because people they they will just come out and make these blatant statements and they will not 
accept any nuance to them. And then, and then a cult of personality latches onto it, and it, it mm-hmm. reinforces that, right? And there's a lot of people. A lot of the problem is that the the media has become like it's disparate now. There's streamers have a lot of influence on what people mm-hmm. think. YouTubers have a lot of influence on what people think. I mean, I don't have nearly enough influence on what you think. You should all agree with me at all <laughs> times. But regardless, even people, there are people who will say, "Well, it's like you said," and it's like just because I said it doesn't mean you have to agree with it. Don't don't take what I say as gospel. I have an opinion. I like to think it's well reasoned, but make your own determination here. I often say and, that I'm I'm just an idiot on the internet. Like I don't expect people to agree with me. Like that but But in know. terms of going back to your original question, because you did ask a question here, I'm gonna say this. You can't unjade a fan base. You can mm-hmm. simply find things like the fan base finds things they like. Yes, there's people who like the Mandalorian, but it is not universally beloved. I mean, you may think it is because all the people you talk to about it like it, and that's great. But there's there is that thing going back to like you know th- th- there's a difference between personal and universal experience, and you'll never know what the universal experience is. Nobody will. Nobody mm-hmm. has the universal experience. We all have a personal experience. What happens is is you find people with which your personal experience aligns, and then you take what they are saying as universal because well i'm saying it and jim says it so but neither you and jim don't know the people who don't like the mandalorian because in most cases people don't feel the need to talk about things they don't like violent antipathy or even hatred for something is rare it's just that those people are loud people who are really really unhappy with something are louder than people who are just like eh, didn't really work for me I do not go around talking about all the things that didn't really work for me because why would I, I'm not mad at them. I just didn't like them. I've tried a lot of games that people love and didn't like them, but I don't go around saying that they they're bad because a, they're not bad. I just didn't like them. And B it's not my job to crap on your good time. If you're having fun, great. (laughs) I want you to have fun. I, 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 it is not my position that you should not have fun. So those voices come through and they change the perception of a thing, but the game itself, which it does have problems. It isn't perfect because nothing is perfect. It doesn't mean that the game is bad and it doesn't mean like the Mandalorian is not all of star Wars. Liz is completely right. It is just one thing that people found and thought this was really good. Meanwhile, clone wars was out this whole time and it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, star Wars rebels written by Dave Filoni, who, you know, the Mandalorian is a big part of it. And it was an expansion of Clone Wars written by Dave Filoni in part. He was one of the writers for it. These were all good and they're different. And Rogue One, did you guys see Rogue One? It's probably my favorite Star Wars movie. Liz, what did you think of it? You saw it. I actually have not seen Rogue One. Yeah. I so, was kind of there we I go. was kind of a period where I was down on Star Wars. I wasn't yeah. feeling Star Wars. So I never just I just never watched it. So there's <laughs> stuff out there that different people have seen. There there are different expansions. I'll be up front. I've kind of checked out on the end of Shadowlands, not because it's bad, because I just don't like the direction it went. Not that it's bad. It's just not for me. And and that's it. People need to separate the it's bad from I don't like it. Yeah. And that's it's not that the fan base is jaded. It's that the fan base is skewed. The things you're hearing are from the people who feel the need to talk about it or being asked to talk about it. And, and that always changes. It, it is not an echo chamber, but it is a very big, big tent with a lot of stuff in it. And, and there's always going to be something in there you don't like. I actually 
having finally seen the Anduin cinematic, I actually like it more now. Right? Yeah. Like I was like, oh, okay. I and, and that's why I haven't been saying negative things about the story because I was waiting for the story to get here. Does that mean that this is perfect and that it executed everything I wanted? No. But there's good in here. And I don't, I don't think there is any way you can develop a, a game like this and actually worry about unjading the fan base. The fan base will have to feel how it feels. You and, want to please them, but you can't please I, everybody. And I want to call something out from chat here real quick, because 6,000 raises a very good point. It's also the fact that this is an MMO, and an MMO always winds up being a deeply personal game to an individual because your experiences are so varied. So because people use it as an escape or use it as a way to uh, to uh, socialize or to interact with friends or, or whatever the case is they can f- you're going to have people that feel very strongly about it and oftentimes will have a stronger emotional response to things that happen in that MMO because it's tied to something that affects them personally like if their friend that they enjoy spending time with that lives on the other side of the world stops playing Sometimes it's it's hard to to not say, oh, that, that expansion made my friend go away. I'm just going to hate it. it this is a thing that does happen, unlike other games. And, and like a single-player game, yeah, people may not like it, but it's not going to elicit necessarily that same visceral emotional response this does because of that social aspect, which is an I mean, interesting like, thing that I hadn't considered. Thank you, 6,000. I mean, look at the fact that, like we just pointed out, Liz and Joe raid together. So you guys end up talking for a period of time mm-hmm. every time you're raiding. Because you're both healing in a raid. It becomes like, it's like being on a bowling team. You know, these, <laughs> yeah, people, it is, you know, it is. So when you're on a bowling team, if you're, if you guys aren't having a good time bowling, you know, th- it could be for a lot of reasons that other bowling teams having a great time. You're, you're not, it doesn't have to be because bowling is bad. I mean, I, I am not personally a fan of bowling, but the point is still, it's, it, it's so varied personal experience is so much a part of it. And it is so variated between individuals that we can't say the fan base is jaded. We can only say that that people who are jaded are speaking loudly about it. But look at what happened. I'll just say this. I'll pull the bandaid off. Look at what happened when those people went off to play other games. I mean, when when people who were negative went off to play, say, uh, Final Fantasy, they didn't necessarily love what they experienced. Mm -hmm. And they were pretty negative about it because they are negative. It's what they do. And also... Nothing is perfect. No, nothing. Different is. things. Different things may be better at different things. Different games may do certain things better, and you may like different things about them. But none of them are perfect. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of things that I don't like about WoW, but I still play WoW. I still enjoy WoW, and it's a lot, as y'all have been saying, because it's a social thing. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily because the game is great or because the game is perfect, but because it's a social thing, and. Another reason I think you see so many players who are jaded or who are angry is because you put so much time into an MMO. We, I think all of us here have been playing for 17 years of our lives that we have put into this game. I'm so I I am currently actively playing the same character I rolled in Burning Crusade, a Blood Elf Paladin that I just jumped into when Burning Crusade came out. I still have the exact same character that I am actively playing. So you get an emotional investment. And when you're emotionally invested, I think it's easier to get angry, to get upset mm-hmm. and to and, be, yeah. to be jaded. To, to that idea that, you know, 
it, it comes down to the idea that this thing happened to hurt you. It, it, no, it didn't. The, the game, I promise you, the game developer was not trying to make you feel bad. The fact that, that you feel bad is not what they were going for. Um, but it can be hard to process that. And there's, there's a lot of connection in these games. There's people I know entirely through World of Warcraft that I have never met in person or only met in person because I went to BlizzCon in 2019. That's just the way it is. I mean, Liz just made the point 17 years. There's people I've known for 17 years because I played World of Warcraft that I still occasionally talk to, even though we, we move to different guilds and different servers and life happens. And yeah, it is it is a big chunk of a lot of people's lives. Um, but I think at this point, we have we've pushed well past our usual end point. So we had we had thoughts. Yes, we had thoughts. We had thoughts. Uh, but so thanks, Tetsemi, for getting us talking for for quite a bit there. Uh, I do feel bad for the other questions. We're going to try to push them forward into the next show, since there's a lot of them. Wow, I kind of really thought we'd be talking more about this stuff. Than <laughs> I, anyway, um, but Joe has a thing to say, and then I'll do the the outro, and you guys can go on with your lives. Absolutely, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at Patreon.com/slash/BlizzardWatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcasts, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you, Joe. Uh, again, guys, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I want to thank both Joe and Liz for being here and being amazing and being able to talk quite a bit as well so that I really underestimated how long we could do this. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but they, they're great. Um, we're going to be doing Lore Watch soon. So you should listen to that. We're doing a D&D game this, hopefully this week or next week. You should come listen to that. It's going to be fun. Um, thank you, guys. If you've got a question for the show, please send it to Blizzard Watch podcast at blizzardwatch.com subject line podcast or blizzard watch so we know it's the show or hit up our discord we have a patron q and podcast questions channel and a q questions uh q and podcast questions channel both of which you can use uh if you are a patron you can use the first one and we'll look at there first but thank you guys for being here this has been the blizzard watch podcast and we'll be back next week <laughs>